Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch live right now at band.video. They came out on ABC News and said, oh, now you got to take six COVID shots a year. The new Pfizer booster is cleared for anyone over 12 and Moderna's for anyone over 18 and two months out from their last shot. How do we say six COVID shots two and a half years ago? Because Bill Gates said to his investors that this shot gets rid of your immune system and people have to take six of them to eight of them a year. So when I tell you this stuff, understand it's real. You know, being able within six months to make enough for the world, I think that should be our, our aspiration. Is it possible to prevent the next pandemic? Yes, if every country does what Australia did, then you wouldn't be calling it a pandemic. A lot of people want to forget the lockdowns, forget the masks, forget the checkpoints, forget all the garbage that's ongoing in places like China and and, uh, New Zealand. You are criminals. You are a criminal. You are a criminal. You are a criminal. And so are you. And so are you. You know how baby has just been medically kidnapped. Uh, Thugs have come in wearing police uniforms and they've will rip the baby out of his bed and violently uh, taken him out of the room. They've threatened to arrest us all if we even pursue our baby. So let this be a lesson to the entire rest of humanity is the takeover has actually started and it started in a hospital ward with a baby. I call on humanity to uh, arise. So we got to get ahead of this and keep discrediting it. If we don't, China is our future. So let's get into it. In Israel, the Ministry of Health in Israel is actively hiding critical information on the side effects to the Israeli public and lying about it while they have the actual data stored and know it's caused mass death, blood clots, you name it, and destroys immunity. It's quite known that Israel was Pfizer's laboratory. Pfizer's request to the FDA to approve the booster was uh, to a great deal based on the Israeli data. But what the world did not know was that actually for the entire year in which almost the whole population was vaccinated, two or even three doses, Israel actually did not have any any functional monitoring system. The monitoring was really dysfunctional. I have all this information on my cell phone, um, not just because I'm a minister, but because we have a centralized digital system. The Minister of Health the whole time just lied, not just to the Israeli population, but also to the FDA. And many uh, researchers actually were very, very concerned. In Germany. And so one of the aims of the Nuremberg trials was to spend 139 days in trial going through the law and medical ethics and the public conscience, trying all these people against those benchmarks and finding them guilty or not guilty depending on the evidence. But what came out of it was what the excuses were. And when you hear the nurses' excuses, it's all the same as what's being said today. I had a job. I had elderly relatives to look after. I was being bullied. Oh, it was a terrible environment at work. You know, you couldn't do anything to challenge any of the doctors. And we basically just did as we were told. 
thinking, that meant that they were left off the hook. That's exactly the same narrative that's being promulgated today. In the UK. There have been more reported deaths and adverse reactions uh, following mRNA vaccination in 18 months than there has been to every uh, conventional vaccine administered worldwide for the last 50 years. In Canada. So the OAG uh, report points to $13 million, million doses who would have been destroyed outside of Canada. So that was in large part due to AstraZeneca's uh, doses, which uh, couldn't be used inside Canada. As of now, there are approximately 10.8 million doses of vaccines of all sorts that were either destroyed or have expired in Canada. In the U.S. The bottom line here is the vaccine does not prevent infection, does not prevent transmission. So why would we make anybody take it? The pathway to, to prevent any more harm is all the vaccines need to be pulled off. You're tuned in to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The American Journal. I am your host, Harrison Smith. We have just so much to talk about today. We'll be taking your calls. We have a ton of videos to show you and a ton of stuff to talk about. We'll be talking about, of course, The Great Reset as it moves on to more dystopian heights. Really just che- we're checking off the Brave New World checklist here on a daily basis, it seems. All right, we, we, we really just have, uh, just have a ton to talk about, so let's just get right into it, as we do every day, with your Daily Dispatch. All right, here it is, folks, your Daily Dispatch for Monday, the 12th of December, 2022. Catastrophic contagion, Bill Gates, John Hopkins, and the WHO conduct another pandemic simulation with deadlier virus that targets children. So it's just like Event 201 that was held just months before the COVID outbreak that predicted everything about the COVID outbreak exactly. It did, of course, absolutely nothing to prevent the outbreak and spread of the virus. Because nothing they did actually concerned themselves with stopping the spread of the virus. It was all about how to use the virus to take control of the media and financial systems, which is exactly what they did. No doubt that's exactly the type of simulation they're playing out in uh, Brazil right now, or at least that's where the – so the the fake virus goes. And we actually have a video of this little event. It is exactly like Event 201 down to the – you know, brand name of the fake news broadcast they use. They say GNN. They have fake news broadcasts about the outbreak of viruses. Yeah, here it is. So we'll show you the video from that a little bit later. It's the John Hopkins Center for Health Security in partnership with the World Health Organization and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They conducted another pandemic tabletop exercise in Brussels, Belgium on October 23rd, 2022. It's the same people behind Event 201, which took place almost three years ago to the day. They just completed a desktop simulation for the new enterovirus originating in Brazil this time, which I really think uh, you know should should be an example for us. This should be an example that the number one priority of people who care about humanity at this moment should be punishing the people that did this to us. We have to be going full force against 
people that not just created the virus in a lab but used the virus as an excuse to destroy the world's economy, consolidate power into the hands of just a few massive corporations and attempt to install a global government on top of all of the other vaccine passport and all that other uh, nonsense. See, these people are not repentant about what they did to the world. They refuse to acknowledge the abysmal failure of their every program and they're lining themselves up just to do it again. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they do it again? Why wouldn't they create a virus extremely deadly this time, right? COVID, not that deadly, pretty much like the flu. It was more deadly to the extremely elderly and already sick. Of course, we knew that from the beginning. But, you know, maybe they've learned their lesson. Maybe this time the disease they release really will be massively deadly, really will target children. Maybe they're setting us up for, you know, round two here. And again, why wouldn't they? We know now that they created the virus. We know and with no uncertainty that the vaccine is a complete scam, that the lockdowns and masks and mandates and everything in between has been uh, not just a failure but actually probably made everything worse. But the people who implemented these things and that are still in power uh, don't recognize that, don't acknowledge that, and are, are teeing themselves up to do it again. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they release something from a lab in Brazil. They got caught doing it in China and nobody's been punished for it yet. So why wouldn't they do it again? And again, we'll we'll expand on this later. We'll show you the video from the actual event and we'll also show you some of the latest interviews from people like Anthony Fauci to show you that honestly these people have have no regrets about what they did. They have absolutely no second thoughts about what they did to this world and to humanity as a whole. They think that they were right the whole time. They refuse to acknowledge like they refuse to atone or let alone acknowledge the damage that they've done. So that's why you, uh, that's why you have uh, justice. That's why justice is important. We have to punish these people and prevent them from doing it again because right now there's no reason for them not to. And again, we'll, we'll expand on that a lot during this show. But moving on, over the weekend, two more releases of the Twitter files emerged – Uh, The story can be found at Infowars.com. Twitter files, the corporate media ignores the biggest story of the decade. The biggest story of the past decade is not the COVID pandemic, the January 6th protest, the war in Ukraine, the BLM riots, or even the stagflationary crisis in the U.S. Behind these major events is another story, one that connects them all together in a disturbing way. Even more important than the effects of geopolitical and economic chaos is the effect of mass censorship. Without the free exchange of information and debate, the public remains ignorant. And if the public remains remains ignorant, crisis events have an have increasing exponential to explode. And so we'll talk more about the uh, Twitter files here in just a little bit. Uh, two more tranches. So we now have Twitter files one, two, three, and four. We covered the first two last week. The second two were released over the weekend, and we will cover those. They have to do with the uh, banishment of Trump, as well as January 6th, and a number of other topics. We will get into it, but it's a great reminder. That once again, the key to the destruction of the New World Order is nothing more complicated than free speech. If people can just discuss what's going on, if accurate information can be transmitted about the decisions being made in positions of power, then their entire facade crumbles. The keystone at the top of the arch that they're building is censorship. If we can remove that, the whole thing comes crumbling down. 
Moving on, the Dutch government attempts to forcibly close 3,000 farms to comply with the green agenda. Dutch nitrogen minister says farmers will be offered 100% value for their land, but if voluntary efforts fail, farmers will be uh, will face forced buyouts. Dutch farmers protesting for months over the government's radical green plan to slash nitrogen emission by 50 to 95% could soon face forced buyouts of their land. It's kind of like what I was talking about last week. Uh, can you imagine being the mafia boss that could pull this off? It's one thing if you want to buy a piece of land, the person doesn't want to sell it to you, so you, you send a couple of goons over to, to break some legs. In this case, it's uh, 3,000 plots of land nobody wants to sell, and the goons they're sending to break legs are in fact the uh, national army and police force. So that's the mafia we're dealing with, and we'll get into more of that later. Meanwhile, this story is absolutely crazy. I, I need to read up on this more. Uh, we have a video from Nigel Farage talking about it that we'll play later in the show. EU vice president is charged with corruption after Belgian police found bags of cash in her home. The vice president of the EU, Greek socialist MEP Eva Kyle, uh, Kylie, is charged with corruption after Belgian police found bags of cash in her home in a Qatar lobbying scandal. She was arrested on Friday and has been charged with corruption. Apparently, 16 members of European Parliament had their houses raided. And, uh, yeah, we'll, 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 again, we'll get in a little bit more to this uh, later. But, you know, uh, just a reminder, this is our democracy. This is our democracy that we have to sacrifice everything for. The importance of our democracy, the people running our democracy, are running around with big bags of illegal cash from criminal slave labor empires. It's just just baseless uh, corruption at every level. And uh, if you don't think there's uh, a lot of similar things going on between you know, turning a blind eye to the corruption and abuses of Qatar and the forcing of 3,000 farmers off their land in the Netherlands, uh, there's a very simple thread of connection – and that is the bribery and greed of the people in power who prioritize their own lives over the very existence of the nations that they were elected to represent. Finally, we have this story. Coast-to-coast winter storm sends U.S. natural gas surging. It is a perfect storm of horrible things all coming together to drive up the price of natural gas and make it more difficult for the average person to simply exist. And what's forecast to be the first ever, uh, the first coast-to-coast major winter storm of the season across the lower 48, traders have furiously panic bid U.S. natural gas futures due to the prospects of increased heating demand. Again, we'll get into this a little bit uh, later, but frankly, it's your fault for not eating bugs. You're still driving a car. This is all your fault. I have been in a 28-year marathon battle with a globalist. I have come from nowhere to the very heights of politics, not just in America, but in the world. We are engaging the globalists at point blank range in the information war. But I don't deserve the credit. Yes, I've persevered, but the listeners and viewers who support InfoWars are the real reason we've had the success. We're having now the greatest victories in the fight against the new world order we've ever had. 
We are now entering the final mile of the marathon. And that's why today it's more important than ever to realize how important you've been in this fight and to continue in the efforts you've been carrying out and to intensify them. God bless you all. I salute you. I thank you. And I beg you to intensify what you're doing now because we are over the target and history is happening. The fight is my fight. It's your fight. It's our fight. God bless you all. It's hard to believe sometimes that we are still live on air, broadcasting free worldwide. And it seems quite real that things can change in an instant. Things are getting very weird, and it's definitely more difficult than ever to even know what's going on. But we'll keep doing our best so long as you keep us on the air. And you can do that now at InfoWarsStore.com. Help us clear out our stock of bodies, turmeric, vitamin C with zinc, and alpha power. Turn those shady Federal Reserve notes into the highest quality supplements available while they still last. Now, with free shipping, we thank you for your support. And we wish you a very peaceful, happy, and merry Christmas. Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We will be talking about the Twitter files that were released over the weekend today. We will be talking about the potentiality for a new pandemic a real one this time wouldn't that be something wouldn't that be predictable they run this uh, fake pandemic exercise where the, the vaccine doesn't work and none of their prescriptions are necessary and in fact they all end up being hugely damaging wouldn't it be a, a brilliant thing if next time the disease that they manufacture in a lab and release onto the world populations actually as deadly as they claimed covid was because now you've got all these people who are, uh, you know, it's like the boy who cried wolf. They're all going to be like, oh, whatever. You know, we're not going to lock down. We're not going to take your vaccine. We already went through this. And we know you're liars. Well, what if, what if it's true next time? <laughs> what if next time it really is a horrifically deadly disease? They'll have us all in a bind. That'll be what happened. We'll get into all of that a little bit later as well as some more just great reset nonsense going on that's really pushing us towards the most – far-flung extremity of dystopian hellishness with uh, artificial wombs. We need to, we'll do a checklist. We'll, we'll play dystopian bingo on the next, uh, in the next couple segments here. But let's start off with, uh, let's start off with some fun things, shall we? Let's start off the, this, this day, this show, this week with, with a little bit of good news, shall we? <laughs> First, the, uh, the mayor of L.A. has been sworn in. Let's go to clip number 10 here. This has nothing to do with anything. It's just a quick little reminder who it is that runs our country. Here's Kamala Harris swearing in the mayor of L.A. She hasn't been to the border yet, hasn't visited the border. They never had time to go visit the uh, people injured in Waukesha or you know, any of the other you know, murder victims. 
targeted by uh, far left activists. Uh, no time for that sort of stuff, but plenty of time to go swear in the new progressive mayor of L.A. He swears her in and then cackles for 10 seconds straight. What is this? Let's watch. According to my best ability. Madam Mayor. <laughs> laughing at what is so funny why does she cackle like that what is that uh don't you just love our new our new america just like the swearing of an uh, in of a mayor instead of like solemn duty congratulations mr mayor and they turn around wave to their cheering fans just like woo, woo. <laughs> it's just like okay all right calm down Calm down. Let's check in on a couple years and see how funny it is uh, after this. In fact, I I do want to talk a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later because they've declared uh, homelessness an emergency. So now they have, you know, unconstitutional authority to do whatever they want to help fix the homelessness crisis. Now, last time they made a big push to fix the homelessness crisis. Homelessness exploded by many, many times. So we'll see what happens next. Just stay tuned. Just remember, the progressives are in charge, and they're about to tackle homelessness. Place your bets now on what happens with homelessness. My guess is it gets significantly worse and costs billions of dollars to exacerbate the entire issue. Now let's go to this uh, story since I know I was interested in this, but I think our audience will be as well. You can find the video in an article on InfoWars. Clip number 25 is the AP talking about Alex Jones's uh, trial appeal uh, possibilities. Let's go now to that video. This is far from over. Um, Alex Jones, you know, there's a number of things that he can do. First of all, he's going to appeal, according to his attorneys. Uh, and there are some significant issues on appeal. This is a very unusual trial. Um, the court basically talk back. Uh, put him in default and they went straight to damages. And that's very unusual. And that's a very draconian ruling by a court. Oh, really? That, is that, it? That's, that's, that's a ruling that's the last choice a court will have. No way. And a court of appeal is going to really never been reported that. before. Um, a judge is required to, if, if a litigant is not participating in discovery or is violating, you know, the litigation standards, uh, you know, the judge, there's a number of things that a judge can do before actually putting in default. And also with damages. Uh, it's crazy. You know, look at damages. You know, they, the, they never the reported this before. The award needs to be supported by the evidence. Yeah, all the stories um, before were just saying uh, Alex Jones guilty. Alex Jones charged this much. Alex Jones bad. Now they're starting to say, you know, actually, actually, it's uh, actually this whole ruling was kind of messed up. Actually, you could easily appeal it. And this whole thing has to go away because it's all illegal. Let's go back to it. We can keep, we can keep uh, listening. The is going to look at that. Um, and so so the appellate side is very rich here. Oh, very rich. Yeah. And it's very opportunity. possible this judgment could get discharged in bankruptcy. Um, it's, it's, it's very – there are, are a few debts that are not dischargeable, but there's a high standard to meet those, um, proving a bankruptcy court why a debt should not be discharged. Um, so it's very, it's very possible that both the compensatory damages award and even the punitive damages award, depending on what it's based, could be discharged. And if that's the case, this judgment's wiped out. And on well, top of that, wiped out. he continues his fundraising off of the, the trial. Oh, so with, with so now that you've got all the headlines, now that you've destroyed him in the, in the mainstream, you can admit the truth. Or, or the debts are, are, 
are not discharged. Now the plaintiffs want to collect. Well, that's a challenge in and of itself. Each state has certain assets that are not collectible, that they, that, that they, they protect. Um, and then they go, you have to go and you have to find the money. Uh, and I can't tell you, you know, in my own profession, how, how many judgments I've had that it's just trying to hunt for, for collection and be able to, to actually get, you know, the clients any money. It's very difficult. Uh, and nowadays you can hide assets, um, you know, through the, the, the different laws that, that the states have. It's very difficult to collect. Um, and so, so Jones is not done here. You know, a good example is O.J. Simpson. I mean, he had a $33 million judgment against him in the 90s. And yeah, but all he did was kill two people. Life. Yeah, but all O.J. Simpson did was was murder two people brutally with a knife. Um, I mean, he's kind of flaunting around. That's nothing compared to, um, so, you know, so disagreeing with the mainstream media. The, the real crime. Two goals, in my opinion, here. Justice and money. And they achieved the first goal through justice. You know, this award, it makes a huge statement. They were didn't, didn't you just say believe, that it was uh, and they were significantly kind of all inappropriate and it'll be reversed and, and on appeal? On very, you know, how is that justice? So how is getting a how justice. is getting a uh, now comes the money, you know, fiat um, and uh, decision without being is, able to face a jury? Actually, justice. It's not agreed to accept the lesser sum. They, they which means, you know, Jones will agree to pay a certain amount and they'll agree to dis, to to satisfy or discharge the judgment. You know, have it go away. Um, and in many ways, this is the best result because, you know, rather than trying to deal with an appeal, deal with the bankruptcy, trying to collect, the plaintiffs will definitely get money for sure. And the incentive for, for Jones is this judgment will be lifted off his head and he can go, go, you know, live the rest of his life. Pounding on my picture. I pound my desk all the time. There's a pile of papers. I remember that. Okay. All right. Um, and the reason I'm doing this is because when you went on the air and did all that, All right, folks, they've had their show trial. They've had their public execution. They've had their burning of the witch. uh, And now they admit, yeah, it turns out that actually none of that was appropriate. It's all probably going to be reversed on appeals because what happened in the Jones trial was totally unprecedented and unlike any other case ever before. Now they admit that. That wasn't what they were saying when it was happening. Anything of real quality, anything of lasting durability, anything that's really satisfying and empowering and fulfilling it's going to be hard to attain. And when it comes to information, boy, is that true today. We see the entire global corrupt into human depopulation, great reset combine, trying to collapse our society to build on its ashes their, their transhumanist nightmare vision, suppressing the voices of good people all around the world and of doctors and scientists and engineers that are exposing all their lies, their COVID hysteria, their world's going to end in 2030, carbon tax, global warming bull, all of it. And none of it can succeed. None of it can actually be carried out unless everybody is silenced and gaslit. That's why truth comes with hard work and with research and with diligence. And that's why it's hard to share InfoWars links and band out video links. That's why we've got to share them now more than ever. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We still have, uh, or we, we just have so much to talk about today. 
we are going to get into the Twitter thread, uh, the Twitter leaks, rather, the latest two that appeared over the weekend from Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger, both of these having to do with the removal of Donald Trump from the platform and the corruption and collusion that went on there. This also ties into what we'll talk about in this segment, which is Dr. Fauci and COVID-19, Elon Musk, as promised, major revelations about what happened with the COVID-19 censorship on Twitter. He's calling for the prosecution of Fauci as well. There's a little bit of overlap here. We're also going to, later in the show, we're going to, we're going to watch a very interesting video interview of the so-called Lord of War, the weapons dealer that we traded for Brittany Griner to Russia. Very interesting interview he give he gave. We'll uh, discuss what he talks about and um, you know how this plays into the war in Ukraine. Also, 16 MEPs houses were raided yesterday. We'll get to the bottom of that major corruption scandal at uh, European Parliament. We'll also be talking about the fact that America is actively engaged in a hot shooting war with Russia right now, uh, not as you know through a proxy of Ukraine, but actually American corporations and America, American military involved on the ground there, inching us closer to the much desired World War III by the elites, I should say, much desired by the elites. Also, of course, uh, robotic wombs are coming. The suicide programs are coming. It's it's all happening. <laughs> it's all coming down, folks. So we have a lot to talk about. And of course, we will continue to tell you what's really going on in the shadowy hallways of power. But only if you go to InfoWarsStore.com. It's the only way that we can be here. It's the only way Bandot Video exists. It's the only way that we have this platform to speak out against all of this corruption, and as we've pointed out, free speech is – it's our foundation. Censorship is their keystone, right? You remove that censorship you know, aspect of their plan, and the whole thing comes crumbling down. If people can just talk about, know about, learn about, and inform each other about what the powers that be are planning, then no, nobody will be along with it. Nobody will go along with it. Nobody will be okay with it. It's just – the fact that they keep such a huge swath of the American public in total ignorance that allows them to get away with this. So that's why we've chosen free speech as our primary weapon of choice in this war. And we hope that you can help us wield it by going to InfoWarsStore.com right now. Take advantage of the mega blowout sale. Keep us on the air. Keep us in the fight. And keep us uh, here to you know um, switch between uh, gloating that we were right the entire time and you should have listened to us and uh, – lamenting the fact that this is just continue- – they're just still doing it. They're just still doing all of this uh, despite the horrific outcomes that their programs inevitably result in. So the latest story is that Bill Gates, John Hopkins, and the WHO just simulated another pandemic. The story can be found at Infowars.com by Jamie White. Catastrophic contagion. Simulation involves a virus from Brazil that has a higher fatality rate than COVID-19 and disproportionately affects children. Yes, this is just like the Event 201 training seminar that was held right before the outbreak of COVID-19. They've held another one. This was held in Brussels, Belgium on October 23rd, 2022. It's the very same people behind Event 201, which took place almost three years ago uh, to the day. And they just completed this desktop simulation for the new enterovirus originating in Brazil. 
In addition to Bill Gates, 10 current and former health ministers and senior public health officials from Senegal, Rwanda, Nigeria, Angola, Liberia, Singapore, India, and Germany participated in the simulation, which involved pre-recorded news broadcasts, live staff briefings, and moderated discussions. The virus in the simulation, called the enterovirus, has a higher fatality rate than COVID-19 and disproportionately affects children and young people. So again, there's a lot to say about this. We'll go to a video now of this event that they carried out. But again, they carried out Event 201 just before the outbreak of COVID-19. And it was obvious from the beginning why they would hold this event and what it was really all about. Nothing that they discussed in that event, none of the plans that they laid out and practiced had anything to do with stopping the virus detecting the virus, preventing the spread of the virus. Their primary concerns were how do we stop vaccine misinformation? How do we get all of our news channels on the same page to report the same things? How do we stop misinformation from spreading on big tech and social media? It was all about how do we use this virus to take control? How do we force vaccines and how do we censor and consolidate the economy once this virus hits, the virus, by the way, that we created in a lab. This year has been the year of revelation when it comes to COVID-19. And it's pretty, you know, shocking to look back. And we will do a a very thorough year in review on this show as we approach uh, the new year. But it's amazing to think back into January of this year, and realize just how much things have changed in these last 12 months. In January of this year, you remember it was the Joe Rogan fatwa. It was what Joe Rogan had on uh, Dr. Malone, and Dr. Malone got kicked off Twitter, and then Spotify was threatened to cancel Joe Rogan's deal, and it was this major censorship push, destroy Joe Rogan. Remember, that sort of fell flat. And in the time since then, not only have the things that Joe Rogan and Dr. Malone We're talking about uh, they've all been proven true. They've all been proven accurate. Uh, Ivermectin, now the uh, FDA is saying we never told anybody not to take Ivermectin. The lockdown's been revealed to be total failures. The masking, the evidence is there, never had anything to do with anything. I mean everything has been revealed uh, in the mainstream to be just complete fabrications uh, this entire year. It's been one one pillar after another of their – corrupt establishment crumbling but they haven't been punished yet so if they aren't punished if they aren't held to account if people that put us in this position created the virus and then exploited that virus to enslave us if these same people are still in charge why wouldn't they do it again why wouldn't they make it even more deadly this time they are they're planning it they're holding some simulation scenarios as we speak here is bill gates john hopkins and the who in their new pandemic little game let's watch catastrophic contagion gnn breaking news latin american countries alerted the who of several outbreaks of a new infectious disease that's mysteriously appearing across the region severe epidemic enterovirus respiratory syndrome 2025 over the past six weeks alone there have been 500 confirmed or suspected cases reported The virus could cause a severe pandemic if early containment and mitigation efforts are not successful. The pandemic in this type of situation and trend would be a risk for the global health security. Pandemics are inherently political, financial, 
and so much broader. We have not spoken on the leadership in country. And I think that we need to be also very careful. We cannot decide a lot of things without the leaders be involved and agree on that. There is no substitute for national leadership. It's important to support the local response or the national response. Training those that are in these areas first, enabling them with the tools, protecting them, and if needs be, regional solidarity first. At this stage, communication is key, and communication should include not just scientists with data, but also social, religious, and political leaders. Trust. This is an essential issue, and trust was broken among countries, between populations and healthcare systems, between healthcare systems and governments. I'm very sorry to say that in uh, 2025, we need to strengthen the health system. WHO needs to be a voice for the voiceless. No one is safe until all of us are safe. As of today, there have been an estimated 1 billion cases worldwide, with more than 20 million deaths, including nearly 15 million children. Countless millions are alive, but left with paralysis or brain damage. The most successful countries are those which invested in preparedness and trained for this moment years in advance. This included having full-time pandemic preparedness. Our world is so full of hype. We are force-fed dehumanizing propaganda by the corporate media, by the controlled churches and the universities. And why is this the case? Because we innately, by God, have been given the keys to our own minds, our own psyches, our own souls. And by connecting to God, we can empower ourselves and transcend the, quote, fallen or sinful state. So the chemicals that we ingest and, and all the things that we try to bring into our bodies to, to, to change who we are are only lowering us. They're only making us more depressed. In the end, they're only making us less fulfilled. It is only by going within and really making that connection to God that we can truly empower ourselves. That's why the globalists bombard us with toxins and chemicals to block us getting the normal vitamins and minerals and trace elements. Our bodies need to be healthy and to be able to basically reach out beyond the third dimension. And that's where the incredible products come in at InfoWarsStore.com. One of the ways that your audience, you encourage your audience to give you money is in cryptocurrency donations, right? Yes. Infowars.com forward slash crypto. That will end up as a clip on your show tonight. Objection. Your advertisement from your cryptocurrency page. People care about the First Amendment. And in the cryptocurrency, the cryptocurrency page, people can give you in Bitcoin. Yes. Yes. Ethereum. Right. Yes. As well as XRP, Monero, Litecoin, USD coin, Dogecoin, and Stellar. This is it. Give crypto. Fund Infowars. Sponsor us with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Thanks to your donations and your support at InfoWarsStore.com, InfoWars is able to broadcast free worldwide, combating the lies of the Great Reset. Give crypto, fund InfoWars. Donate now, InfoWars.com forward slash crypto. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. It's Christmas. And what have you done? Another year over. And you won't just be gone. 
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the American Journal, Infowars.com, band.video. Event 202, I don't know, would you call it Event 202? Maybe they wouldn't be that obvious. They're calling it the catastrophic, they call it, uh, catastrophic contagion. That's the name of the new event. Now, we know, we know from observation, we know from just being able to identify what's happening in reality that COVID-19 was a test run. It was a simulation in and of itself. They wanted to uh, test their new gadgets, I guess you could say. You know, roll out their their algorithmic PSYOP machine and see just how far they could push people of different countries, just how far people would be willing to go when in a state of abject fear. And that's really obviously what's happening now is they've learned what they've needed to from COVID-19, and they are now making changes for the next round. They're updating their code. It's not a you know, coincidence that out of the 10 current and former health ministers that participated in this new Event 201 scenario – this pandemic tabletop exercise, uh, almost all of them or the majority of them are from Africa because Africa was a major weak point in the rollout of the global pandemic response. Africa didn't exactly participate in the you know, demands of, that were foisted on Western Europe and other places. And it sort of, uh, sort of screwed up the whole data set because then you had these African countries that didn't vaccinate, didn't lock down, didn't mask, didn't do anything, and yet were almost unaffected by COVID-19, while the countries that did do all of those things saw massive death rates. So, of course, they had to bring in all of the African leaders to get them on board, get them on the same page. Next time, when we release our next lab-made virus, you guys need to be on. We need to have you guys participate because you're screwing everything up. You too can be millionaires. Yeah, exactly. You really missed out on billions of dollars by, you know, allowing your people to leave their homes. Senegal, Rwanda, Nigeria, Angola, Liberia, Singapore, India, and Germany all participated in the simulation. Senegal, Rwanda, Nigeria, Angola, and Liberia. So half of the people participating were representing African countries, which is unique for this type of simulation but they needed to get the african countries on board so again there is no reason why they wouldn't do this again there is no reason why they wouldn't release another virus why they wouldn't engage once again in the destructive mandates that they imposed on the rest of us because the people that did this have not been punished what what's the risk for them of releasing another virus out of a lab there's no risk they did it already. They got caught red-handed. It's been obvious since the beginning, and the people involved are still out there walking around being interviewed as experts on TV. They still have their positions. They, they haven't not – only, not only have they not been punished to the severity with which they deserve to be punished, but they are still in the positions that they were in when they made these world-destroying decisions. These mass murderers are still out there, and they are still – pushing the line that they did nothing wrong and that they would do it all over again. 
you want to know why it's important to put these people in their place, it's because we could have easily prevented COVID-19 in the first place. We just listened to people like Alex Jones from the very beginning who predicted exactly what was going to happen if we just had a bit of suspicion and maybe kept a tighter leash on our mad scientists and their pharmaceutical cohorts. And maybe we could have prevented this from ever happening before. But now that it's happened, we can recognize where it came from, who the threat is, and we can prevent it from ever happening again. It's just a matter of decision. It's a matter of will. It's a matter of whether we want to do this or not. So let's go now to clip number six. Anthony Fauci had an interview with uh, Wallace. And uh, again, you just – they still – he still is acting like he did absolutely nothing wrong. And I get it. I get it. It's the Jesuit training or whatever it is where it's just like never admit that you did anything wrong and never you know, apologize for anything. But a little bit of humility could go a long way. You could – he doesn't even have to – he could save face. He could say, look, this was unprecedented. We did what we thought was right, and it turned out not to be right. But he's not even saying that. He's saying what we did was right, and anyone who questioned me is a terrorist. They're still pushing this. So like these people need they, – they're not going to – they have no humility. They're not going to – you know, they have no shame. They're not going to look at what happened in the last couple years and go, gee, this was a lot of my fault, so I better – you know, we better fix things going forward. They are as obstinate as they are evil. Let's go now to clip number six, where Fauci says it's really bizarre that anyone is criticizing me. Feel strongly about. I, I wanted to, honestly, and it's a tough question, but did the did the security threats against you and your family? Did all the political attacks? Did that play any role in your yeah. feeling enough? Quite frankly, Chris, no, it did not. It's a bit. Bizarre, I think, in our day and age to have health officials who are doing nothing more than trying to get people to be safe and save their health and their lives and their family to get attacked in a way, not only me, but my my family, my children and my wife. That is really bizarre. But in a frank answer to your question, that did not influence my leaving. You may be done. This just, it reminds me of, and we'll get into it with the Twitter files stuff. These people have this idea that, like, they are not responsible for the damage that they cause. This man and his dictates, or he at least is the face of the response to COVID-19 that has, first of all, literally killed millions, right? People that weren't allowed to go to the hospital to get their cancer screened, like they're, they're dying out now. The vaccines have killed hundreds of thousands and are going to kill millions more. The school shutdown has led to a mental health crisis that has seen one in 10 children trying to kill themselves in the last year. One in 10 high school kids. That's the latest numbers that we discussed last week. And he thinks there's no reason anybody should have anything bad to say about him it's so bizarre people are criticizing him he has destroyed untold numbers of lives but refuses to even acknowledge that he may have played a part in that and it reminds me with the twitter files this guy yoel roth you simply reveal what these people do and they go oh my god i'm under attack i'm under threat people are threatening me how dare you? you're putting my life at risk by what by revealing what you did by just revealing the truth about what you did so again, you know, people like Anthony Fauci, they're like, oh my God, I'm being attacked. Has he once apologized? Has he once admitted that maybe the things that he forced on America weren't the best? Or is he still obstinately acting like 
He did absolutely everything right. Of course he is. Let's go now to clip number 21 where Wallace asked Anthony Fauci about shutting down schools, which absolutely everybody recognizes now had horrifically damaging side effects that were in no way worth it when it came to shutting down schools. We all recognize now kids were not at risk. Kids do not die from COVID-19 except in the rarest of circumstances. Everybody understands now. Everybody in the mainstream media, everybody in position, they all get that shutting down schools was a bad idea. But Fauci refuses to even ask the question. Let's watch. There was a study that came out recently that said that nine out of ten people that are dying in this country are over 65. Looking back, and I understand that this has been a dynamic situation, has changed over time. Could we have been less restrictive about schools and less restrictive about closing down the economy and focused, if not from the very start, earlier on, on the elderly? You know, in the absence of vaccination, that would have been very difficult to do. But right now that you have the ability to vaccinate people, you can actually clearly be much more liberal and open in what we're doing, which is where we we are really right now. But in the very beginning, when essentially everyone was at risk of infection, you can pass it on to someone else inadvertently, innocently, and have that person suffer a dire consequence. So when you're dealing in the beginning, it was like a tsunami that you needed to shut off quickly and then open up as quickly as you possibly can you have spent the last 54 years at the national (laughs) yeah and uh take a look at how uh, american health has progressed in the last 54 years with anthony fauci standing at the wheel really incredible stuff so again they they do not apologize they do not admit anything they did was wrong they're holding a training scenario to do it all over again punishing these people holding them to account and guaranteeing that they never get away with anything like this ever again has to be the number number one priority of this country before they decide that they can just launch another mission sleepless nights seem to be a lot more common these days with everything that's going on both at home and the world at large If you are having trouble getting to that deep sleep we could all use more of, our new sleep support formula, Down and Out, is just the thing. It's our new, faster-absorbing liquid formula that is specifically designed to help you get the shut-eye you deserve. Formulated to improve upon our best-selling product, Knockout, with Down and Out, now the herbs and melatonin packed inside are extracted directly into the glycerin solution. So the ingredients are already dissolved into the formula before you even take it. One of the other sleep support herbs included is the passion flower, which was traditionally used by Native Americans like the Cherokees, who used it for its relaxing qualities. Be sure to take this product when you are completely ready for sleep, because you will be down and out. Selling out now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. All right, welcome back, folks. Still to come on today's program. This hour, we will be talking about the Twitter files, the latest uh, Twitter threads that have been published over the weekend, about the corruption, collusion, manipulation, censorship that took place in the world's most important political social media platform. We'll also be talking about the massive scandal that has rocked European Parliament, 16 members of the European Union being raided 
the vice president of the EU being found with bags full of cash and arrested under charges of corruption. Very big story there. Also, uh, the war in Ukraine will be a topic. We'll take your calls as well. Of course, InfoWarsStore.com is where you go to keep us on air and keep us in the fight for humanity, and that's exactly what it is. In case you needed a, a nice little primer on what's going on, we have this video, clip number 19. UN and World Economic Forum Sustainable Development Control Plan is a corporate control – is a plan to co- uh, create corporate control of all of Earth's inventory. And it's worth, as we watch this video, uh, reminding everybody that these plans did not come about as a result of COVID-19. They did not come about as a result of Donald Trump. These plans have been in place for decades and they've been pursued for decades. Sometimes they have major success. Sometimes the people push back and they have to change their tactics a little bit. But they're always driving towards this singular anti-human dystopian control grid as their goal. So let's go now to, again, just get you up to speed on Agenda 21, a.k.a. Agenda 30, a.k.a. the Sustainable Development Control Plan from the UN and the World Economic Forum. Here it is. The United Nations Agenda 21 Sustainable Development. It is the inventory and control plan. Inventory and control of all land, all water, all minerals, all plants, all animals, all construction, all means of production, all food, all energy, all information, and all human beings in the world. And this is a plan that was agreed to by 179 nations back in 1992. It's a United Nations plan. It's called the Agenda for the 21st Century. And so many of us around the world think that sustainable development, it just sounds so great. Isn't it about recycling and creative reuse and creating energy and food resources for everyone? And the answer is no. It really is not. It's about moving populations into city centers, concentrated city centers, and clearing them out of the rural areas. It's constructed of non-governmental organizations, corporations, and government in order to dictate and regulate what it is that happens around the world. Regionalization is the stepping stone to globalization. And globalization is the standardization of all systems. All systems have to be brought into harmony in order to control them all. And the goal of Agenda 21 is one world government and total control from a central unit. The principles are public-private partnerships, which is fascism. And this is how it's implemented on the ground, is through this joining together between corporations, non-governmental organizations, and governments in order to cut out the actual individual, your voter, and instead to take that to a level where we literally cannot penetrate. This is a corporatocracy. It's a totalitarian state being developed right now all over the world. While we are moving towards the end game, we are not there. And this is the opportunity that all of us have now to stand up, to speak out. We are free, and we need to continue to be free. And I do believe that we will win, but we have to become aware that there is a fight. Absolutely brilliantly put, and she hits everything, nails everything on the head. I mean, absolutely perfect. This is our last chance to fight back. 
They are erecting this digital prison around the whole world. They can be stopped. It's actually very easy to stop them. They have nothing. It's a very small amount of you know, corporate manipulators that have put us in this position. All it takes to break out is the awareness of human beings across this planet to just understand the threat that they're under. Once they understand that. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. All right, folks, welcome back. Still a lot of videos to go to. We'll open up the phone lines for your calls this hour. Support us at InfoWarsStore.com. And let's get into the Twitter files, shall we? Story can be found, well, lots of these stories can be found at InfoWars.com. One of them, my, pronoun, my pronouns are prosecute Fauci, Elon Musk, to, uh, to release Twitter files on COVID and Dr. Fauci. That should be coming up probably sometime this week. In fact, it may be dropping uh, today, but he's going to be releasing the uh, Twitter files about uh, Fauci and COVID-19. Also at InfoWars, a special report by Christy Lee. Twitter files exposed network news fascism. More big tech drops are ha- happening this weekend. You can get caught up on what the Twitter files are revealing so far, stuff you won't hear from the government-controlled central media. Of course, people are very mad about this. We'll get into the pushback, the the fury that some of these people are uh, feeling in just a second. Again, stories at Infowars.com. The Twitter files, the corporate media ignores the biggest story of the decade. The biggest story of the past decade is not the COVID-19 COVID pandemic, the January 6th protest, the war in Ukraine, the BLM riots, or even the stagflationary crisis in the U.S. behind these major events is another story, one that connects them all together in a disturbing way. Even more important than the effects of the geopolitical and economic chaos is the effects of mass censorship. Without the free exchange of information and debate, the public remains ignorant. And if the pu- republic remains ignorant, crisis events have an increasing potential to explode. And if you just look at what these um, – I mean they're exactly right. All these stories, they do have in common the fact that they would not be able to exist without the tightly controlled mainstream narrative. January 6th protests, the war in Ukraine, the Black Lives Matter riots, or even the stagflationary crisis in the U.S. and the COVID pandemic, You know, all of these as a hallmark of their existence – have censorship and the control of information and the manipulation of information. Facebook also getting caught up in all this, but let's stick with Twitter now. As Matt Taibbi posted at 5 p.m. on, I believe this was Friday, the Twitter files part three, it's the removal of Donald Trump part one. So part three and four of the Twitter files both have to do with the removal of Donald Trump. We'll just read from Matt Taibbi's discussion of it on Twitter. He says this. The world knows much of the story of what happened at the, uh, between the riots at the Capitol on January 6th and the removal of President Donald Trump from Twitter on January 8th. We'll show you what hasn't been revealed, the erosion of standards within the company in the months before January 6th, decisions by high-ranking executives to violate their own policies and more against the backdrop of ongoing documented interaction with federal agencies. This first installment covers the period before the election through January 6th. Tomorrow, uh, Michael Schellenberger will detail the chaos inside January or inside uh, Twitter on January 7th. We'll cover that thread in just a little bit. On Sunday, Barry Weiss will reveal the secret internal communications from the key date of January 8th. 
Whatever your opinion on the decision to remove Trump that day, the internal communications at Twitter between January 6th and January 8th have clear historical import. Even Twitter's employees understood in the moment it was a landmark moment in the annals of speech. And here you have the Slack communication from one of these Twitter engineers who asks, is this the first sitting head of state to ever be suspended? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I think it is the first head of state to ever be suspended. <laughs> I, I love, you know he's asking that question just to point out what they're doing, right? He knows that no other sitting. It would be a big scandal to have Twitter intervene in such a way. Obviously. And in fact, they'd come out with a statement in 2018 where they had said, look, we are not going to remove politicians. It's not up to Twitter to decide you know, what politicians get to say. They knew that this was an unprecedented step they were taking. They did it anyway. So I think it's kind of hilarious somebody would ask that. Is this the first sitting head of state? Of course it is. Of course this is an unprecedented violation of the First Amendment at a, at a molecular level, obviously. As soon as they finished banning Trump, Twitter executives started processing new power. They prepared to ban future presidents and White Houses, perhaps even Joe Biden. The new administration, says one exec, will not be suspended by Twitter unless absolutely necessary. Yes, I've altered plans. Pray I don't alter them farther. So again, I mean, everything that we're reading from the Twitter threads just proves what we say on this show all the time, which is that these people are not legitimately concerned about violence and are struggling with how do we uphold our strongly held belief in free speech as well as keep people say there was nothing of the sort they were perfectly aware of what they're doing they're perfectly aware they're abusing their power to destroy free speech in this country and around the world and they're only concerned about how they sell it to the american people how they portray it in a way that won't get them arrested eventually of course now we have all of their communications and there are republican politicians that are seem to be taking it with the seriousness it it deserves and maybe they will be arrested one day but that was their major concern not there wasn't actually any concern in upholding free speech they never believed in that in the first place twitter executives removed trump in part over what one executive called the context surrounding actions by trump and supporters over the course of the election and frankly the past four years in the end, they looked at the broad picture, but that approach, uh, approach can cut both ways, and they have this discussion again from the Twitter sl- internal Slack. It says, hi, Vijaya. I'm working with Blank on my teams to put together a doc to share with you with a POV from research, ours, academics with whom we've been working, et cetera, on DJ, G- DJT's language as coded incitement to further violence. So again, folks, when it's actual violence, it's allowed, celebrated, covered up. They send in lawyers to protect people like uh, Antifa throwing Molotov cocktails at police. They get a slap on the wrist and are welcome to go home. So actual violence, if it's from the left, is good. When it's from the right, the things that they consider violence are things like uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, In other words, and also the truth, right? If you tell the truth about someone that doesn't paint them in a good light, especially if they're a gay Jewish person – like Yoel Roth, uh, you are causing violence against them by exposing what they do and the things they say and their actions and behavior. You have to keep that secret for them or else you're putting them in danger, right? It's just uh, 
It's just just crazy. Just imagine. Just imagine you catch just imagine you catch a pedophile like trying to kidnap your child and they're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, don't tell anybody about this. People are, are going to target me. If you tell people about this, they're going to target me." It's like, "Well, yeah, what you did was evil. So, <laughs> yeah, you're going to be targeted for this. I don't know what to tell you. It's not my job to protect you from the consequences of your own actions, you idiots." But there it is. But again, this statement takes it even you know, further to where they say, all right, if you support something like the idea that the election may have been stolen, well, if you believe the election may have been stolen, then other people might take that idea and think that they have to commit violence for it. Therefore, saying the election was stolen is violence. You're not allowed to say the election was stolen. Now it goes even farther where they say that Donald Trump's language is coded incitement to further violence. So now if you simply hold an idea or expose a truth that makes some people upset at some other people, you are the cause of that violence. So you have to be silenced. You cannot tell the truth. You cannot speak your mind about things you disagree with because that's violence, right? You can't say that men are men and women are women because somehow that means that you not just advocate for but are the cause of transphobic violence against trans people. I mean this is how little this makes sense. But to go even beyond that and say it was coded incitement, the translation for that is he never said anything that could be construed as incitement. So therefore, we're going to take what he did say, put our own meaning into it, interpret it in our own godforsaken mind, and decide that actually he was inciting violence. It was just in a code that you can't hear. It was just in a, in a secret coded language that we know he was actually inciting violence. So when he went up there and said, don't be violent, when he made a Twitter video that said, everyone go home, don't attack the Capitol, don't be violent, don't give them what they want, everybody be peaceful and loving. Uh, see, they understand that was a coded message saying be violent, hate everyone, and attack the Capitol. See, without them to decode this, it may seem like Donald Trump wasn't call calling for violence, but they understand that they can decode his non-call for violence into a call for violence and then kick him off of Twitter for calling for violence. It's very sophisticated, this operation. Until about 150 years ago, cultures all over the world believed that people got sick and died in many cases in the winter because of something called vapors. They associated these poisonous vapors with cold weather. Of course, it wasn't the cold weather or catching a chill that killed people. What was killing people was a lack of vitamin D3. You see, the sun via your skin helps your body produce vitamin D3. But if you're not getting enough sun, you will not produce vitamin D3, and then it's very easy for viruses and other things to start replicating and taking your body over. So now it's more important than ever, because the winter's here, to take high-quality vitamin D3, and we have the best with our vitamin D3 gummies with calcium for better upload into your body for 50% off at InfoWarsStore.com with promo code 1776. Don't wait. Support the InfoWar and your immune system with vitamin D3 gummies at InfoWarsStore.com. Why don't we talk about cryptocurrency? Because one of the ways that your audience, you encourage your audience to give you money is in cryptocurrency donations, right? Yes. And you have a page on your website that's just for cryptocurrency donations, right? Infowars.com forward slash crypto. Is that a little advertisement just there? Well, we're fighting the deep state. We need okay. money. All right. This is it. Give crypto fun Infowars. 
sponsor us with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, right? That will end up as a clip on your show tonight. Your advertisement for your cryptocurrency page. You know, I mean, I mean, people want to keep us in the fight. So I, I, I mean, I hope whoever the big whales are, they'll give us money before we keep doing it. We'll just keep, we'll just keep minting money as you're in this courtroom. Objection, we'll catch. All right, let's move on. And people care about the First Amendment. And- Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Welcome back, folks. The latest Twitter file double release are both about the removal of Donald Trump. The fifth edition of the Twitter file drop supposed to happen yesterday from Barry Weiss, but she hasn't released it, so I imagine it'll probably be dropping sometime today. We'll keep our eyes open for that. In the meantime, released on Friday, Matt Taibbi got into the internal debate about banning Trump, where he says the bulk of the internal debate leading to Trump's ban took place in those three January days. However, the intellectual framework was laid in the months preceding the Capitol riots, and this is, again, something that I've talked about because I experienced this personally talking about January 6th, you know, after it had happened with uh, a friend of mine who basically was like, yeah, but it wasn't just January 6th. You know, it's like this is what Trump does. He's always always calling for violence. And it's sort of makes you realize that it's not just January 6th that we're having to fight against. The mindset was planted all the way back in 2015, probably, or 2016, when the lie of violent Trump supporters was first beginning to spread, right? The, the joke Trump made about keeping somebody's coat, like that's it. That's, that's what decided that Donald Trump is a, a violent psychopath and his followers are all you know vicious. The reality was that everywhere Trump went during his campaign in 2016, mobs of violent communists would show up and attack the people there. So the media would just run with the story, a Trump a violent clash between Trump supporters and others and protesters at, at Trump rally. So every time the Trump supporters got attacked and the headline would read violent, cra- violent clash at Trump rally as if it was the Trump supporters that were causing the violence instead of the ones who were being victimized by it. Then you have people going into the Trump rally, like interrupting it, yelling stuff, uh, being protesters, and then like – Walking to the coat check and being like, can I have my coat, please? And it's just like, no, keep their coat. Keep their coat. If you want to come disrupt it and you know, become a nuisance and attack people in our rally, you don't then get to – we don't then treat you politely afterwards. You don't, we don't then, OK, thank you for interrupting our event, sir. Here's your coat back, please. You know, it's just, no, you're ejected. You're out. You're in the cold now. Take their coats. But no, but now that means that Donald Trump is a, a violent insurrectionist and so it's this – It's not just January 6th. It's that this lie of violent Trump supporters without any evidence whatsoever was piled on for five years up to January 6th and January 6th just being the culmination of all this. So this is sort of what Matt Taibbi is pointing out here. 
They say before January 6th, Twitter was a unique mix of automated rules-based enforcement and more subjective, uh, subjective moderation by senior executives. As Barry Weiss reported, the firm had a vast array of tools for manipulating visibility, all of which were thrown at Trump and others pre-January 6th. As the election approached, senior executives, perhaps under pressure from federal agencies with whom they met more as time progressed, increasingly struggled with rules and began to speak of Vios as pretext to do what they would likely have done anyway. So I assume that means violent. I assume that means violence when they say Vios. I don't know. Matt Taibbi doesn't give a translation for what he means there. But in other words, again, if you misgender somebody, it's not just misgendering. It's violence against trans people. If you question the election, it's not that you have legitimate concerns about the authority of your electoral process and the legitimacy of it. It's that you are a violent insurrectionist that must be silenced. You talk about crime. It's not that you have a legitimate concern about the increasing rates of street violence – It's that you yourself actually are a genocidal racist and must be silent. So whatever conservatives believe, they just say actually that's violence and then they silence you for it. I mean it's the most blunt and obtuse scam they could ever run, but they're doing it and people fall for it. After January 6th, Matt Taibbi continues, internal slacks show Twitter executive getting a kick out of intensified relationship with federal agencies. Here's trust and safety head Yoel Roth lamenting a lack of generic enough calendar descriptions to conceal his very interesting meeting partners. Yoel Roth says in the Slack communication, eh, it happens. I'm a big believer in calendar transparency, but I reached a certain point where my meetings became dot, 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 very interesting, dot, 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 to people, and there weren't meetings, meeting names generic enough to cover. Anyway, let me know. And so uh, basically what he's saying is that on the calendar, he would write something like very boring business meeting. That's definitely not about Trump winky face because, you know, you can't just write on the calendar. I'm meeting with the FBI to destroy the First Amendment. That would be a little bit too on the nose. No pun intended. Uh, Definitely not meeting with the FBI. I swear, he says as a joke, right? So again, they are meeting with the FBI. They're meeting with the intelligence agencies, just like mainstream media does to determine what they want the American people to know and what they want the American people to be censored from. The initial reports are based on searches for docs linked to prominent executives whose names are already public. They include Roth, former trust and safety, uh, trust and policy chief Vijaya Gade, and recent plank-walked deputy general counsel and former F- top FBI lawyer Jim Baker. So this, you know, just cabal of anti-American scumbags working together to silence the American people. One particular Slack channel offers a unique window into the evolving involving thinking of top officials in late 2020 and early 2021. On October 8th, 2020, executives opened a channel called US 2020 underscore XFN underscore enforcement. Through January 6th, this would be home to discussions about election-related removals, especially ones that involved high-profile accounts, often called VITs or very important tweeters. There is at least some tension between safety operations, a larger department whose staffers used more rules-based process for addressing issues like porn, scams, and threats, and a smaller, more powerful cadre of senior policy execs like Roth and Gade. The latter group were a high-speed Supreme Court of moderation issuing content rulings on the fly, often in minutes and based on guesses, gut calls, even Google searches, even in cases involving the president. So they'll post a picture of uh, Trump's 
tweet saying, breaking news, 50,000 Ohio voters getting wrong absentee ballots out of control, a rigged election. When they're saying a rigged election, that would be enough to be in violation, right? Yoel Roth replies, if the claim were in fact inaccurate, yes, but it looks like it's true. Darn it. Darn it. He's telling the truth so we can't censor him. Dang it. Dang it. If only we could censor him from telling the truth. They weren't allowed – they weren't uh, ready to go that far quite yet. During this time, executives were also clearly liaisoning with – so having liaison with federal enforcement and intelligence agencies about moderation of election-related content. While we're still at the start of reviewing Twitter files, we're finding out more about these interactions every day. Policy director Nick Pickles is asked if they should say Twitter detects misinformation through ML, human review, and partnerships with outside experts. The employee asks, I know that's been a slippery process. Not sure if you want our public explanation to hang on that. So again, they're, they're discussing how to lie to the American people. How do we lie about this in a way that covers our butt and doesn't make us out to be the inveterate psychopaths that we are? I know it's been a slippery process. But we're not sure I want our public explanation to hang our hat on that. We can just say partnerships. So again, they're just like, so do we do we say that we're meeting with the FBI and DHS to silence the American people? No. You know what? Let's just say partnerships. Let's just say partnerships with experts. We don't have to say who the experts are or what the partnerships entail because we don't want the American people or our users to know that we are in close contact and coordination with the unelected deep state spy network that has spent the last four years desperately trying to perform a coup against the elected president of the United States, Donald Trump. And they're the ones now directing censorship on Twitter. Because you want it, here's another one just for you. Because without you, it would truly be a blue Christmas. But thank God that we have you, all of us, awakening and vibrant souls all over the earth. It's your love, our love, that makes all of this possible. And if you feel like showing us some love today and help keep us on the air, you can do so at InfoWarsStore.com. Products that will make your life better and allow us to keep broadcasting free worldwide. We are all in this together through thick and thin. On behalf of the whole crew, we love you and we thank you for your support. Infowars.com. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're listening to The American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. All right, folks, we're going to continue with our coverage of the Twitter files. Probably spend the whole second hour on this. Of course, this is major news. I think Zero Hedge is right when they say this is the story of the decade as it really reveals the workings behind so many other stories of massive import around the world. So we'll we'll review what we've learned so far in just a second, but let's finish it up with the third Twitter files release that was released last Friday. Matt Taibbi uh, saved some of the most devastating revelations for the end of his thread where he says this, 
the post about the Hunter Biden laptop situation shows that Roth, the oil Roth, not only met weekly with the FBI and DHS, but with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, DNI, weekly meetings with these people. Roth's report to the FBI, DHS, DNI is almost farcical in its self-flagellating tone, Matt Taibbi says. Quote, we blocked the New York Post story, then unblocked it, but said the opposite. Comms is angry. Reporters think we're idiots. In short, FML. So again, this is the uh, Slack channel. I think this is Yoel talking, or it's a response to Yoel. He says, hacked materials exploded. We blocked the New York Post story, then we unblocked it, but said the opposite. Then we said we unblocked it. And now we're in a messy situation where our policy is in shambles, comms is angry, reporters think we're idiots, and we're refactoring an exceedingly complex policy 18 days out from the election. In short, FML. FML, you guys. Oh, my God. It's so stressful when we are illegally censoring legitimate news stories for the sake of our democratic overlords. It's so hard when you just lie continuously and keep getting caught, you guys. It's like, geez, leave us alone already. (laughs) They're just like, it's like, God, first we censor this story and then everybody gets mad that we censor it. So then we pretend to uncensor it, but actually we don't. And we're just destroying the First Amendment and corrupting elections in this country. And everybody's mad. FML, you guys. Jeez. Leave me alone. (laughs) The meeting happened about 15 minutes after the aforementioned hack material implosion, the government declined to share anything useful when asked. Monthly meetings with FBI, FITF, I don't know what that stands for, uh, briefed on several ongoing investigations. So again, the FBI is in weekly, if not more often, con- regular contact with the head of trust and safety at Twitter. Strangely, child pornography still very prevalent on Twitter throughout this time. Antifa still operating Threads where they're leaking hacked material and targeting places like churches who are pro-life for destruction. The FBI not interested in any of that, not interested in any of the cartel activity or you know coordinating of NGOs bringing people across the border. No, no. The FBI was there to lie to Twitter to give them the justification they need to take out the Hunter Biden story. And it's just – It's the same thing that happens over and over. They just give themselves plausible deniability when it comes to this sort of stuff, right? In the same way that like, you know, the ADL wanted to go after people speaking up at school boards, right? So the ADL has no power to go after them. The FBI can't just go after them for no reason. So what do they do? They have the national school board write a letter to the FBI. So the first they go to the FBI – They say, what do you need to take action on this? They say, well, we need a request. So then they go to the National School Board. They say, all right, you write a letter requesting the FBI's action. The FBI will take action. They can say, well, we're just doing this because you wrote the letter. It's really all being coordinated behind the scenes. The reality is that bad actors and evil people in this country just want to destroy their opposition. And so then they just sort of see what they need to cover their butts to give themselves the justification to do what they were going to do the entire time anyway. So that's all that we're seeing here is the way that this works in, in the background behind the scenes. Some of Roth's later slacks indicate his weekly confabs with federal law enforcement involved separate meetings. Here he ghosts the FBI and DHS respectively to go first to the Aspen Institute thing to take a call with Apple, then to take a call with Apple. So again, the Aspen Aspen Institute thing was about vaccines. So like this guy, Yoel Roth, is literally just moving from, you know, one big tech company to another, to the FBI, to DHS, to, you know, international 
confab, you know, secret meetings, Davos and uh, the Aspen Institute, and everywhere he's receiving orders on what to delete and, you know, who to silence. Here, the FBI sends reports about a pair of tweets, the second of which involves former Tippecanoe County, Indiana counselor and Republican named John Basham, claiming that between 2 and 25 percent of ballots by mail are being rejected for error. So here you see the FBI actually reporting a specific tweet for removal, despite the fact that the tweet was accurate. The FBI flagged tweet then got circulated in the enforcement slack. Twitter cited PolitiFact to say the first story was, quote, proven to be false. A story of, quote, an unexpected number of registered Republicans are returning ballots. Then noted the second was deemed no vio on numerous occasions. So, again, proven actually to be true. And they go on to say, well, actually, it's not even a big deal for 2% of the votes to be eliminated. The group decides to apply a learning how to vote safety uh, is safe and secure label because one commenter says it's totally normal to have a 2% error rate. Roth then gives the final go-ahead to the process initiated by the FBI. Examining the entire election enforcement slack, we didn't see one reference to moderation requests from the Trump campaign, the Trump White House, or Republicans generally. We looked. They may exist. We were told they do. However, they were absent here. Of course they were. They don't actually exist. They don't act – you think that – can you imagine, right? He's like, I go – FBI, he tells me to delete Trump supporters, so we do. And the DHS, they tell us to delete stories that are bad about Hunter Biden, so we do. Uh, then we go to the Aspen Institute. They tell us to delete the vaccine questioners, so we do. Uh, and then we went to Trump, and he told us to delete Joe Biden's account, so we did. Like, no, they're, they're working for one side. They're working for one organization. Their policies all go in one single direction. It's not that complicated, actually. Again, we've been exposing that. We've, we've known this for a long time. We've been perfectly aware this was going on. Again, it's this uncanny ability for the NPCs to all do exactly the same thing at exactly the same time in exactly the same way, saying exactly the same words. And it's like, geez, are these guys communicating? Is this collusion? Or are they all just coming up with exactly the same thing at once? It's been obvious from the beginning. We're just getting the evidence now. So in the next segment, we'll move into Twitter Files Part 4 from Michael Schellenberger. But he starts this band by giving us a little summation of what we learned so far. So let's just remind ourselves in this. Part 1 of the Twitter File releases, Matt Taibbi documented how former senior Twitter executives violated their own policies to prevent the spread of accurate information about the Hunter Biden laptop. In part two, Barry Weiss showed how senior Twitter executives created uh, secret blacklists to de-amplify disfavored Twitter users, not just specific tweets. Part three, Matt Taibbi that we just discussed, documented how senior Twitter executives censored tweets, censored tweets by Trump in the run-up to the November 2020 election while regularly engaging with representatives of U.S. government law enforcement agencies. And now we will move on to discuss uh, the actions after January 6th, January 7th through 8th, when the decision was made to kick off a uh, the, the most powerful man in the world, the leader of America, the duly elected president of the United States, removed from Twitter while still in office. Totally unprecedented, and the behind-scenes stuff is just as corrupt as you would expect. So in other words, we have clear proof, evidence of high crimes and treason, the elimination and distortion of the First Amendment by governmental authorities – the complete desecration of our most fundamental and foundational human right in this country at risk. You've got 
evidence of the collusion between the FBI, the DNC, the uh, Democratic Party to eliminate truthful stories on Twitter that reflect badly on their chosen candidates. The way that they eliminated the uh, Hunter Biden story in an act of just obvious election nearing electioneering and um, manipulation the way that they didn't just ban people outright but used a slew of more subtle means to limit and discredit messages that they disagree with and of course claim that disagreeing with the spy state that runs our country uh, being portrayed as violence as an excuse to remove it from twitter i mean this is predictable it's the fourth coin that we've released in the last year and i believe the most powerful the man in the arena coin teddy roosevelt citizen of a republic the man in the arena there's only ten thousand of this coin in existence in the world it will never be made again it's not just an amazing historic coin. It funds the information war against the globalist. This is something you want to hand down to your grandchildren. This is something you want to own. And as a fundraiser, it is funding the information war against the globalist. Ladies and gentlemen, 10,000 coins are available. They'll sell out very quickly. Please be part of history. And thank you all for your support. You can go to 1776coin.com or you can go to PatriotCollectibles.com and secure this coin. There's only 10,000 of this coin in existence and it funds the info war. Man in the Arena coin, Teddy Roosevelt, 1776coin.com. I've got some good news and bad news. InfoWars is running the biggest sale of 2022 right now on our amazing products. Your chance to empower your body, your health, your immune system, and more, and keep us on the air, a win-win. The bad news is a bunch of our best-selling products have already sold out, and because of supply chain breakdowns, it'll be months and months until these great products come back in. X3 sold out. Our great American coffee blend has sold out. Uh, BioTrue Selenium has sold out. But what hasn't sold out is DNA Force Plus, Vitamin Mineral Fusion, Body's Ultimate Turmeric Formula, Whole Food Multivitamin, Brain Force Ultra, Super Mel Vitality, and so much more. So you've only got a few weeks to get these products at the lowest price you're ever going to find them. Don't fight the crowds. Don't fight the traffic. Don't do all your Christmas shopping in a month like a fool. Do it now. Get it all over with. Get a great deal. And keep InfoWars on the air while empowering your body. InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and open up the phone lines right now. We'll be taking your calls throughout the third hour. We're going to continue to cover the Twitter leaks, get into Twitter leak number four here. But still to come, we have a lot to talk about the war in Ukraine, immigration, the Great Reset, COVID-19, a lot of uh, still big news to cover. So stay tuned for that. But give us a call here at American Journal. The number dial is 1-877-789-2539. That's 1-877-789-2539. Give us a call and we'll take your calls throughout the third hour. A lot of videos to, to go to still as well including an artificial womb facility. We're going to watch that interview with the uh, 
Russian uh, weapons dealer that we released. Just a, a lot still to cover, folks. And remember, go to InfoWarsStore.com to support us in this mission to defeat the people that are imposing their worldview on the rest of us through their ill-gotten power. Again, that's really, really what this is all about. Just zooming out, taking the the wider view. This is a battle for human rights. It's a battle against a technocratic, technocratic, inhuman, anti-human program that seeks to enslave every man, woman, and child on Earth, just in time for the revelation of life extension technologies and a truly bifurcated neo-feudal world in which some people have infinite power and immortal lives and everybody else serves them. It's really not that complicated. It is that sick and disgusting and anti-human, and uh, we'll continue to fight for the rights of everybody to speak their mind, whether we even agree with it or not. Michael Schellenberger came out with the Twitter Files Part 4 on Saturday, the removal of Donald Trump January 7th. He says, as the pressure builds, Twitter executives build a case for a permanent van. A ban On January 7th, Twitter executives created justifications to ban Trump. They uh, sought a, politi- a change of policy for Trump alone, distinct from other political leaders. They expressed no concern for free speech or Democrat, uh, democracy implications of this ban. This Twitter files is reported with L. Woodhouse on Twitter. So again, part one was how Twitter executives – Violated their own policies to prevent the spread of the Hunter Biden story despite it being accurate. Part two revealed the way that Twitter used blacklists and a myriad of other tools to de-amplify messages that they would rather not have out there. Part three that we just uh, just covered was the way that senior Twitter executives censored tweets by Trump and Trump supporters in the run-up to November 2020 election in close coordination and consultation with the FBI, the DHS, and a number of other unelected deep state actors. Michael Schellenberger begins this coverage by saying that for years, Twitter had resisted calls to ban Trump. Their Twitter public policy announcement of January 5th, 2018 said, quote, blocking a world, a world leader from Twitter or removing their controversial tweets would hide important information people should be able to see and debate. It would also not silence that leader, but would certainly hamper necessary discussion around their words and actions. Oh, how things have changed. But of course, that was probably in response to, if I had to guess, something else Trump had said, right? He was president in 2018. And Twitter was like, look, you guys, we can't ban the president of the United States from Twitter. That's ridiculous. Well, give them a couple years and they'll come around, exert enough pressure from enough activist groups, and they'll eventually fold. As Michael Schellenberger notes, after the events of January 6th, the internal and external pressure on CEO Jack uh, Dorsey – Grows, former First Lady Michelle Obama, tech journalist Kara Swisher, the ADL, high-tech VC Chris Saka, and many others publicly called on Twitter to permanently ban Trump. Because obviously, because they don't want Trump online. I mean, it's not that complicated. They, they've been defeated by Trump. Trump is a threat to them and their lives and their existence and their control of the population. So, of course, they want their enemy silenced. But of course, they don't just say that. They have to phrase this in a way that makes them seem like the good guys. 
Chris Acker says, you've got blood on your hands, Jack and Zuck. For four years, you've rationalized this terror. Inciting violent treason is not a free speech exercise. If you work at those companies, it's on you to shut it down. Shut it down. Oh, my God. He's memeing. He's saying the meme. Shut it down, folks. They know. And this is another sort of important part of Twitter. That's been pointed out by others in response to this. The understanding that it's not just Twitter where this type of stuff takes place. In fact, most Fortune 500 companies at this point, almost every major corporate entity in America at this point is literally infested with these types of people, literally infested with the HR managers or health and safety coordinators who are far-left activists who will use whatever power they get to undermine and subvert even their bosses and their authorities or the shareholders or anybody to progress their uh, political agenda. Michelle Obama also you know, calls on the banning of Trump saying, now is the time for Silicon Valley companies to stop enabling this monstrous behavior, aka the speech. And again, just calls for his banning from social media. Michelle Obama calls on the banning. Chris Saka calls for it. Intelligencer by Kara Swisher says it's time for social media platforms to permanently ban Trump. And of course, Jonathan Greenblatt, our good friend from the ADL, to bare minimum tweets after the Capitol has been stormed by extremists is too little too late. At Jack, it's overdue to suspend real Donald Trump until his violence stops promoting disinformation and inciting violence, with the ADL issuing an official statement on violence at the U.S. Capitol building. After having remained silent for the months preceding that event in which billions of dollars of damage was done and dozens of people injured and even murdered during the riots of Black Lives Matter. Dorsey, meanwhile, was on vacation in French Polynesia the week of January 4th through 8th, 2021. He phoned into meetings but also delegated much of the handling of the situation to senior executives uh, Yoel Roth and Vijaya. As context, it's important to understand that Twitter's staff and senior executives were overwhelmingly progressive in 2018, 2020, 2022, 96, 98, 99% of Twitter staff's political donations went to Democrats. In 2017, Roth tweeted that there were actual Nazis in the White House. In April 2022, Roth told a colleague that his goal is to drive change in the world, which is why he decided not to become an academic. So again, these people have their own agendas. They have their own policies that they're pursuing. They have their own ideas about how the world should be, and it has nothing to do with free speech. It has nothing to do with fulfilling the position in which they've been placed. It has everything to do with using the power that they have accrued to subvert and destroy the foundational values and virtues of this country. On January 7th, Jack emailed employees saying Twitter needs to remain consistent in its policies, including the right of users to return to Twitter after a temporary suspension. After, Roth assures an employee that people who care about this aren't happy with where we are. So again, Jack does seem to be – I mean he's in – you can just imagine him smoking peyote on some French Polynesian beach as just the the world is on fire. He's just like, guys, chill out. We can't just change the rules because you hate Donald Trump, you petulant idiots. And they're and, you know behind his back is senior executives are like, don't worry, we're doing things differently. Around 11:30 a.m., 
Roth DMs his colleagues with news that he's excited to share. Guess what, he writes. Jack just approved repeat offender for civic integrity. The new approach would create a system where five violations would result in a permanent suspension. We did it, you guys. We did it. We got Jack to change his mind and allow us to destroy our enemies online. Progress, claims a a member of Roth's trust and safety team. The exchange between Roth and his colleagues makes clear that they'd been pushing Jack for greater restrictions on the speech Twitter allows around elections. The colleague wants to know if the decision means Trump can finally be banned. The person asked, does the incitement to violence aspect change that calculus? Roth says it doesn't. Trump continues to just have one strike. Roth's colleagues' query about incitement to violence heavily foreshadows what would happen the following day. On January 8th, Twitter announces a permanent ban on Trump due to risks of further incitement of violence, which again is another Orwellian dystopian kind of thing similar to to what we read in the in the last one where they say, well, Trump didn't call for violence, but we understand his coded message meant a call for violence, right? They're interpreting what he said into something he didn't say and then banning him on that justification. And then in their actual banning of Trump, the, they cite the risk of further incitement of violence. So in other words, he hasn't incited violence. There's been no violence incited, but they think that he might do it in the future, so they're going to punish him now for their own speculation. Pretty amazing stuff. We'll finish up with this in the first five minutes of the next hour and then take your phone calls about this topic and more. Show you some more pretty incredible videos we have locked and ready to go. In the meantime, go to InfoWarsStore.com. Take advantage of the mega blowout sale. A lot of our products are selling out. If you've ever wanted to get your hands on some of these incredible supplements at the lowest prices possible, now is the time to do it. Mega blowout sale, InfoWarsStore.com. Free shipping over $50. And you get two times Patriot points. Now is the time. Go to InfoWarsStore.com. Let's go ahead and take another call. Let's talk to Malcolm in Tennessee. Welcome. Hello, Alex. Yes, Malcolm. All right. I'm going to make this quick and real short where the other Patriots can get on the line. Uh, Alex, I have to promote one thing from one of your co-hosts, Owen Schroyer. Super male vitality and brain force plus. Mix those two together, you're an unstoppable tank. Super male vitality really, really works. It's cold-pressed herbs and natural compounds that have never been heated up. And so it has a dramatic effect compared to powdered versions that also work quite well but just aren't as strong. This is like a very fine wine. It's it's, it's it, In fact, each batch is different. Sometimes it's super strong. Sometimes it's just okay. People are like, why are you selling something and admitting sometimes the batch isn't as strong? That's just how it is. It's how it works. Uh, so it's always good. It's just sometimes it's like super strong. But yeah, if you want the Rolls Royce at a decent price, then this is it. 